I'm Tavis Riley. Glad to have you tuned in to KBLA Talk 1580. Our guest right about now is Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali. Why have, I, why have I invited him back on? Let me tell you why. A troubling new study suggests that black Americans age faster, that we age faster than our white counterparts due to structural factors, including environmental racism, poverty, and exposure to air pollution. These factors then contribute to a premature biological aging process known as weathering and are linked to chronic illnesses and disparities in the aging process, even as they say that black don't crack. He is a leading national voice on environmental justice, and I am pleased to welcome Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali, if I can say it, back to this program. Dr. Ali, how are you today, sir? I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you, brother? Man, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I'm doing well also and uh, delighted to have you back on the program, although I wish under different circumstances. Um, this data uh, is is interesting but also depressing um, that uh, our exposure to a variety of these factors uh, contribute, again, to this process known as weathering. Uh, and, again, while we always joke about the fact that black don't crack, that's not exactly what this data underscores. Take it away for me. Yeah, well, you know, what this study builds upon previous studies that shows even on the DNA level, when you even get down to the cellular level, these sets of exposures um, from pollution uh, and from structural racism is taking a toll uh, on folks inside of our community. So yeah, black don't crack, but when you actually lift up the hood, mm. that's where you begin to see uh, the impacts that are happening to our bodies and to our minds. Mm -hmm. T tell me more about the study. I got some questions, but just tell me more a bit, a bit more about the study itself. Yeah, so the study actually took a look and began to unpack all the different ways that we are being impacted. So on the pollution side, it looked at PM 2.5. Um, that's uh, particulate matter. And what happens is that these are the small, small molecules that actually pass through your lungs, gets into your blood, and begins to do all kinds of devastating things inside of your body. Um, you know, liver and kidney diseases, cancers, breathing difficulties, uh, and inflammation throughout your body. So that's a part of it. You also, the study also took a look at the impacts that are happening from uh, racism that happens on the transportation side of the equation, uh, on the housing side of the equation. You know, we saw all those young brothers and sisters, so babies uh, who have been exposed to lead. We've got 1.1 million folks who have dealt with lead poisoning. So that's another one of those stressors. It also looks at the mental health uh, impacts and how that also plays a role in exacerbating these medical conditions that are going on. So there's more work that needs to be done um, in relationship to DNA uh, and the cellular impacts, but this is beginning to place a spotlight on how the disproportionate impacts um, are, you know, causing us, as the study says, to age prematurely. Tavis, I'll just add this. There's also the studies that are out there that show that your zip code also plays a significant mm -hmm. role in how long you will live. You can use Washington, D.C. as an example for those who've ever been to Washington. On the southeast side of the city, um, you know, we know that people often will live 10, 20, sometimes 30 years less longer than folks in the more affluent white side of the community just 10 miles away in Friendship Heights and up mm -hmm. in that direction. But we see that in cities across our country um, and it's, you know, it's not just one place. It's happening all over. No, I was about to say, and I'm glad you went there, that it is the case uh, for too many of us that our zip codes become our destinies, uh, that our zip codes become our destinies. And that's uh, that's it's, it's tragic on, on so many levels. I was just about to ask. And again, you, you sort of raised it already. Uh, 
a lot of this, I suspect, has to do, as you just intimated, with proximity. If it has to do with proximity to toxic waste dumps, proximity to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and black folk are stuck in these places, what is to be done about their proximity to uh, these pollutants? Well, one of the things that we have to do is to continue to use our vote to actually get people both at the local, the county, state, and the federal level in office who, one, understand the historical disparities that have existed from redlining and restrictive covenances and are willing to place a 21st century lens uh, on the sets of policies and laws that have to be put in place to help us to be able to not just address the past, but to address what's happening in this moment and moving forward. Uh, The other part of it is that we've got to also work more closely with these federal agencies, with HUD, um, and with some of the others to make sure that new housing stocks um, are no longer being placed on old Superfund sites or in floodplains or a number of the other things that often impact us. Um, and we've got to also make sure that we are better funding both our HBCUs and other institutions that are willing to do the research in this area so that when we have to go to court or when we have to be able to push agencies uh, on their new sets of laws and statutes and actions that, you know, that we've got the science that's in place. Now, I don't want to over uh, continue to do study after study inside of our communities because we know what the impacts are and how they're playing out. But if there are new areas that uh, we need to have that information, then we've got to make sure that it is our institutions that are helping to play a role in uh, the design Uh, and implementation of those studies and then what comes out of them. I want to ask you a point-blank question, and the question is simply this. Who cares? Who cares? Now, let me me put something behind that uh, simple, I think, but forthright question, who cares? Um, We're we're experiencing right now, as you know, record heat all across this country. I was just reading this morning, set a record now. This is, what, day 19 or day 20 that Phoenix is above 118 degrees, and that's just one city. But all across the country, they're saying it's going to get worse, worse over the weekend. Uh, Climate change is real. Global warming is real. And yet there are many in Congress uh, who don't accept the science. The evidence is upon us. We see it every day. And yet they don't want to accept that science. If they don't want to accept that and they're baking the same way that we're baking, how then do we get them to accept the science that we're talking about now about weathering and the fact that black people age uh, more quickly than others because of our exposure to these pollutants? They didn't care in Flint with the water. They didn't care in Jackson, Mississippi with the water. Now comes this data. And my question again is, all that said, who cares, Dr. Ali? Well, I know one thing. I know all the studies say that we care. Black and brown folks most definitely care. Uh, younger uh, white folks also care. We see them standing in solidarity on the front lines for a number of the pipeline fights that are going on and a number of these other addressing these environmental injustices. We also have to deal with the reality that W.E.B. Du Bois shared with us when he said that a system cannot fail those that was never meant to protect. Mm. And we've got these individuals uh, who continue uh, to feed into that system. Well, one of the dynamics that we do see changing slightly, Tavis, is that there's a recent study that came out that showed that uh, Republicans are moving away from the climate denial uh, language that they have utilized now for 30 years Mm -hmm. um, and are are looking for ways 
of addressing what they're seeing happening in their communities. So they're now saying, well, we need to go to a trillion trees um, as their fallback. That only gets us about 20 to 23 percent of what we need to do to address this. What are the other changes that have to happen? Now that they're seeing that uh, lower wealth white communities and working class middle white communities are also dealing with these types of extreme impacts that are happening, it begins to put more pressure on them. And that's why we have to build authentic collaborative partnerships uh, with those white brothers and sisters, those allies who want to stand as true allies uh, to put pressure on these folks um, because they're getting huge amounts of money from the fossil fuel industry and others who are benefiting from this chaos. Um, and um, so it, it's a hard one. That is one of the most difficult things. When I worked for John Conyers, mm-hmm. uh, when he was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, we used to often have long talks in the evening about how do you move uh, people who are, have other interests, financial interests that are, you know, fueling their political stances. And um, it's still one that I struggle with after doing this work for almost three decades now. I'm glad to hear the, uh, the data that uh, Republicans are slowly starting to move away from their climate denial language. They better move a little faster, given these heats that we are enduring right about now. Speaking of which, I was just reading a piece this morning that I want to uh, take your temperature on when we come back, when we come forward. Uh, par- pardon the, 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 the pun, take your temperature. But the article was about Al Gore. Uh, Al Gore, as you know, um, uh, famously. Uh, was out early talking about this issue, uh, although people were bored by it at the time. Won an Academy Award for being connected to a documentary uh, about this issue, did Al Gore. Just reading a piece this morning about uh, a piece this morning where Al Gore suggests that it's not too late um, to turn the tide against what we're up against. I want to get your take on that. When we come forward, I guess, Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali on KBLA Talk 1580. Interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. That Reese's commercial is funny. I wish it were just that easy. We could just say global warming, global warming, climate change, climate change, and just saying it like saying Reese's would make people run out and do what they need to do. Doesn't quite work that way. I digress. Um, I was saying a moment ago, Dr. Ali, that um, Al Gore uh, was featured in a piece this morning I was reading just before I came on the air. Uh, and he was suggesting that while uh, these uh, extreme temperatures uh, are now getting everybody's attention, uh, it is not too late uh, to turn the tide against what we are witnessing and facing in this country and indeed around the globe. Is he right, or has irreparable damage already been done? Well, there's definitely been damage done, but he is correct. It's not too late. Um, I work with and sit on boards of the top scientific organizations across the planet, Um, And we still have time, but time is of the essence. We have got to act in a significant way to address these impacts. We also have to bring forward the faces um, and lives of individuals who are dealing with this. One of the uh, wrong moves that folks made in the past was just having a scientific conversation about what was happening with carbon and methane going into our atmosphere instead of having the conversations about the 500,000 people who go to bed every night unhoused in our country and who are now laying, you know, in the streets or in tents, um, or the folks who are living in trailer parks that don't have any air conditioning, um, and these things heat up to 120 degrees. You know, we've got to bring real people into the conversation, um, or people are just not going to be connected to what's going on. You know, we've got 14 million people across our country who don't have access to air conditioning. There in California, 3.7 million people don't have it. We got millions more 
who can't turn it on because it's broken and millions more who can't afford to turn it on um, because they're trying to put food on the table or keep the lights on. So we've got to bring these stories forward um, so that folks understand, you know, uh, how significant this issue is. But then we also got to link them up with how success is happening and where change is happening and how you can start your own business in this space and how we can create a new economy that makes sure that nobody gets left behind. And for those who have been disproportionately impacted are lifted up. Let me ask the question that that has been debated ad nauseum, ad infinitum, uh, and you've uh, addressed this, I'm, I'm sure, more times in your career than you can count. But let me just ask it in this in this moment in real time. How much of this, how much of what we're up against is really us? That's part of the debate, uh, whether it's the way the world uh, just, just the way the world turns, if I can use that phrase, or the fact that we human beings are the one causing this. So I ask, how much of what we're up against right now is really attributable to us, we humans? A significant portion of it is because of the decisions that we have made to utilize and burn fossil fuels. So yes, the earth has always had these climactic shifts that happen, but what we have to focus on is then since human existence we know what the temperatures have looked like. We know what the impacts have looked like. And we have played a significant role in exacerbating and changing um, our climate. So the question becomes, Tavis, when people pose that, can we live with the changes that we are now uh, implementing based upon the decisions? And we know what the bounds of the human anatomy can take. And we will get to a point here very soon, and we're now seeing it playing out, that the human body cannot take these uh, extreme temperatures yeah. um, and, and that economically we will not be able to deal with uh, floods, these biblical floods that continue to happen. And when the hurricanes are, ha- are, are going to come that are category four and who knows category five. Yeah. Um, so that's where we are. And that reality just uh, puts more pressure on a healthcare system that's already overloaded. Think about that, that when uh, our bodies can no longer take this kind of heat, again, more pressure on a healthcare system that's already uh, under too much pressure uh, as we speak. When we come forward in our remaining moments, the Dr. Mustafa, uh, Santiago Ali, I want to ask one, 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 one question here, uh, and, and that is, how am I to read the fact that black folk once again are suffering because of the efforts and the effects of others? What do I mean by that? I'll explain when we come forward in a moment on KBLA Talk 15. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali, there is uh, no doubt about the fact that... Um, uh, black folk have a role and responsibility to play uh, in uh, riding this ship, as it were, regarding uh, our environment. Uh, clearly, we have a role to play. Clearly, we can do better. And yet, it, it, it seems to me, uh, this is but another example of black people writ large being forced to suffer because of the efforts and the acts of others. So we are the ones who we are now told from this new data who are aging faster than our white counterparts. This aging process, biological aging process, premature biological aging process known as weathering, linked to all these illnesses and disparities that we are subjected to because of the pollutants that we are exposed to. My point is, it ain't just us. 
<laughs> we got a role to play, but we're not the only pollutants. And yet the data shows we're not the pollutants, we're not the corporations, et cetera, et cetera. And yet the data shows that we are the ones who are being victimized by this. We are the ones who are suffering. We are the ones who are aging faster. And something about that just don't seem right. Well, you're, you're exactly right. You know, black brothers and sisters, whether in our country or across the planet, have the lo- lower uh, carbon footprint levels than our white brothers and sisters. So they have been the ones who have been benefiting, um, and they are also the ones that have been uh, having us carry the burden. So they have a responsibility in this time, in this moment, to actually stand up and do the right thing. One, to stand uh, in solidarity, but two, to push, and three, to vote. Uh, in a way that is more inclusive, that protects, you know, the lives of, of everybody who's inside of our communities and also understand that, you know, we're the ones that are bearing that disproportionate burden. Yeah. I guess my exit question is whether or not you think in the not too distant future, we will, in fact, get the message. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking, as you were talking a moment ago, that uh, and I've said this many times, sometimes folk do the right thing, not because they see the light, but because they feel the heat. And we are literally feeling the heat now. The right reason to do the right thing is because black people are being forced to suffer at a disproportionate rate. It's just too much like right uh, that we would advance policies that benefit black people and all the rest of us. Uh, But sometimes, again, folk do the right thing, not because they see the light, but because they feel the heat. Will we, in this instance, do the right thing as we continue, no pun intended, to feel the heat? Well, you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. So one, if we don't do the right thing, existence on this planet will become exceedingly difficult. And that will be exceedingly difficult, whether you're black or white or Latin or Asian. So folks don't have a choice. Here's the other thing that we notice in this moment. When we were talking just about the environmental injustices that were happening to black and brown folks, folks didn't pay as much attention. But now with the climate crisis and folks see that they are also being impacted, they pay much more attention Um, So you have to address the injustices that are happening in our communities because many of those fossil fuel facilities are located in our communities Mm -hmm. um, that are driving the climate crisis. So that's where we are in this moment. If you want to read more about the study, just go online and just Google it. Aging study, Black Americans' impact of structural racism. Any of those words will find it for you. Aging study, Black Americans' impact of structural racism. Google it. You'll find it. Uh, For now, I thank Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali for bringing this news to us. We'll do it again down the road, Dr. Ali. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you. Hour two of Tavis Smiley. After news, traffic and sports on KBLA Talk 15.